0: Welcome to the Servant Soul Podcast, where we explore our identity before God and our relationship with God. I'm your host, Kenneth Grady, and it's my prayer that you'll be fed by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, and living with passion for the will of God. I'm glad you're here. So today I wanted to spend some time dealing with an issue that we all as Christians uh, have to wrestle with at one time or another in our lives, probably multiple times, Um, and that is choosing between what God has given us and what God has for us to do. And so in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, the Bible says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. I bring up this passage because we have for many years enjoyed a period of relative peace as Christians in this part of the world. And it would seem that perhaps we have gotten used to the tranquility and comfort and have come to view being at ease as synonymous with being close to God. In fact, when one does anything as a Christian that is against the grain of acceptable christian pleasantry they're often called into question as to the legitimacy of their faith i mean after all god wants us to get along and keep our heads down right the old quote comes to mind preach the gospel at all times when necessary use words nothing is godly as a passive christian right (laughs) um are we still in an age of godly peace in our nation It, it would appear at least to me that the day when godliness was a virtue with value in our culture has mostly passed. And we shouldn't be shocked by this. Not only is this the trend of every nation that has ever existed, that we have you know, recordings of in the Bible, but it is also the trend of humanity as a whole. God tells us this will happen. Second Timothy 3.13, for example, says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So can we agree that things appear to be waxing worse, that's not to say that throughout time that nations can't have periods of revival and grace. It happens all throughout scripture. But the overall trend is that nations slope downward, accumulating more and more sin over time. So what is the appropriate response to the moral and spiritual decline? Because it would appear that we have grown so comfortable in enjoying peace that we may be more inclined to pursue the sensation of peace rather than pursuing the God of peace? And are we willing to stand firm in our faith when that decision may erode the feelings of tranquility, carnal security, and financial prosperity? Or are we to be found trying to hunker in the bunker, so to speak, tucked away, pretending that as long as we try to make everyone feel happy, that we're pleasing God? Can I suggest to you, that the season for Christians to be laid back enjoying the fruits of our labor may very well be passed. Now, I am not an authority of where we are on the prophetic timeline. Only God knows our position in relationship with our destination. But please, when we look at the men and women of the Bible, we can see the seasons and how they were led to respond. Some were called to mourn, some to prophesy, some to preach, some to teach, some to fight, some to lead, some to heal. How many were called to relax and enjoy prosperity? I think we need to take a hard look at the state of the world around us and get a grip. We are in a season of moral and spiritual desperation, and it's time for us as Christians to start carrying that burden instead of trying to hide from it. Now, as an example, I want to take a look at Esther's season and where she was in history of of the country at that time. And as we see, you know, towards the beginning of the story, I'm just going to kind of recap quickly that Esther was able to enjoy a great deal of rest and blessing as the queen of King Ahasuerus. She was taken into the king's harem at a young age, was given choice servants and food and the best area to live in. She found favor with the king and was then promoted to queen, which I'm guessing came with some pretty sweet perks. Obviously, there was great pressure to please the king, and it was no modern-day romance story, (laughs) but I would say that it's safe to assume that aside from the stress of pleasing the king, she had it made. I say this to point out that Esther was blessed to enjoy some wonderful seasons of carnal blessings. Nothing wrong with that. But the seasons of blessings were not just for the blessing's sake. God had a purpose for the position she was in. It looks like, from what I've read, that Esther was queen for maybe five years before she came to a crossroad of decision, and that's a long time to be at the top of the world and have to consider losing that privilege. I'd venture to say that we could get pretty used to being royalty pretty quick, and it would be pretty easy for Esther to reason that God wanted her to be blessed, obviously, <laughs> so anything that would risk losing some of those blessings you know must not be the will of God. <laughs> the godly thing to do might just be... You know, to to keep the peace out of sight, out of mind, whatever it takes to keep the tap of blessings flowing. That's got to be God's will. Wrong. I mean, a quick recap again. While God was blessing Esther to be queen and rise to the favor of King Ahasuerus, Esther's people, the Jews, were in trouble. Mordecai, Esther's uncle and a man who honored God, refused to bow to Haman, an official of the king, because of his devotion to God, and because of that, Haman created legislation with the king that would allow Haman to not only destroy Mordecai, but also the Jews who were spread throughout the whole kingdom. And so Esther had kept the fact that she was a Jew private, so the king didn't realize that through his decree that he was condemning the people of his favorite queen. And so now Esther has to choose between holding on to the blessing she has in hiding from the truth or risking everything to speak the truth for the benefit of others. And we'll look at her decision in a minute. The question is, are we willing to answer the needs of people in our time? How long are we going to pretend that being blessed is a sign that we're doing everything that we need to do? Esther had the whole kingdom at her feet, and it didn't mean a thing. It meant nothing if she didn't follow through with obedience to the will of God. God didn't make her queen just so she could enjoy being queen. God hasn't blessed us just so we can enjoy being blessed. We have the whole world at our fingertips, but it doesn't mean a thing if we don't do anything with it. It's time to recognize that there are a lot of Hamans at work in the lives of people around us. There is evil zeroing in on loved ones, setting their sights on our children, our family, our friends, our people, our nation. When are we going to get off the couch and go before the king to do something about it? What's it going to take for us to say that the price is too high? My comfort isn't worth it. My pleasure isn't worth it. My leisure isn't worth it. When will the life and death of those around us finally be more important to us than the comfort of our own life experience? I believe that the season of rest has passed. God has blessed us with positions of resources and power, and now it's time to be obedient with what He has given us. So let's look at what Esther did in Esther chapter 4, 11 through 16 says, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king, into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house, more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Esther said, it doesn't look good. I might lose everything if I go against the will of the king. And I'm thankful for people like Mordecai, people who remind us that it might look like serving God is a risk, but not nearly as risky as not serving God. I mean, talk about a humbling love. How many parents would tell their kids, God loves you no matter what, sweetie, You've got to do what's best for you. You are you are special, and that's why you're queen. I'm sure whatever you decide will be okay. And Mordecai is just like, look, hun, you have a chance to serve God, but if you don't, hey, he'll just choose someone else, and you'll lose everything. But hey, it's your call. (laughs) And we need more Christians that can get real about serving God. Yes, God loves us, but He doesn't need us. God doesn't say, Oh no, my main man isn't ready to listen. My plan's ruined if he doesn't turn around. Jesus, go, go bless his life until he feels good enough to, to do what's right. God, God looks for those who are willing. If you aren't willing, it doesn't matter how special you are. He's going to choose somebody else. I love Esther's response. She says, get the people together. Let's seek God's favor, and if I perish, I perish. She, she didn't know that she was making the right move. It took faith, but she was willing to make a move, and that God turned it into the right move. Many times in the scriptures, people make moves out of faith, not sure how God is going to respond. Remember Daniel's friends? The king was going you know, to kill them for not bowing to the idol. And in, in Daniel three sixteen through 18, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So, usually we aren't sure how God's plan will work out in our life. But, But here's something to be sure of. Doing nothing is not God's plan for our life. I mean, the time is now. We are surrounded by unrest and evil and lost souls in need of the knowledge of Christ. God has given us his word and people like Esther and Mordecai to show us that not knowing exactly what to do or say is okay. The important thing is having the faith to trust God and know that when we do take action and effort to be obedient, he can put the pieces together. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So God is putting the pieces of our life together like a puzzle, but the less we do, the less pieces there are to work with. Esther didn't have assurance that what she was about to do was in God's plan, but she had faith that God's plans for her and for her people were good and took action to be used by God. We know enough about God to know we are surrounded by opportunities to serve him. Just because we haven't had a billboard of instructions fall from the sky into our front yard doesn't mean that God is satisfied with us taking time off. God's word is full of general commands about doing good, seeking justice, speaking truth, loving our enemies, and on and on. It's time we as Christians start sailing through the storm and stop hiding in the harbor. People are lost and drowning at sea. Quit staring at the stars for a sign and just hoist the sail. God will send you where you need to be. If you go before the king with a heart to serve, he's going to hold out the golden scepter and use you for his will. If we wait for God to pry us from our palace and shove us down the road of his will, we are more likely to see our life passed over and waste, while those who are active for God are weaved into his plan. James 4.8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye you double-minded. Amen. Thanks for listening, and if you'd like to leave a comment or be considered as a guest, Contact me at